Welcome to Dazer Update for April 10th, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Sologi. I'm Brian Perkins. And yeah, we have a busy week of news here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have had others uh, that Unreal event that kind of had a couple of things there in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing really too big, but we have a, a number of games being announced. A couple that were big surprises. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some stuff coming out here in the next couple of weeks that is pretty interesting. Uh, delay here. Uh, we got your PlayStation Now and Game Pass lineups, as mm-hmm. well as a couple of stories of assholes. Yep. Uh, we'll get to that there later on, but uh, before we get to that stuff, I will start off here with what we've been playing, and I'll kick it off here with uh, MLB The Show 22. I've been playing a good bit of this here mm-hmm. uh, for the past uh, few days and enjoying it a lot. Uh, it definitely feels like a a much more polished version of what they did last year and mm-hmm. kind of fine-tuning the things that didn't work out so well uh, mm-hmm. so that's just makes it a much more fun experience. You know, the they don't limit you to having one player character per mm. per like account, I guess. Mm. Uh, so now you can have more players that are on different positions. So when you want to play Road of the Show, you can uh, have different saves running, you know, maybe a starting pitcher mm. or a, a baseman or you know, closer, that kind of thing. I decided mm-hmm. to go a really weird route and create a two-way player that is a closer and a third baseman mm-hmm. uh, to, I don't know, just have pure chaos all the time. Mm-hmm. As uh, I either get into games to be a third baseman or I come in at the end of games. That just makes for a, a very weird experience uh, at times, but still fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my main is a starting pitcher that I made. Uh, I did start up the Xbox Series X version Hmm. on Game Pass, and I had a weird thing where my pitcher there is uh, like lost all of its stuff. It was like reset or something weird. Mm -hmm. That didn't make any sense, and I tried to fix it. It wouldn't accept any changes. Uh, So when I went back to my PS5 version, uh, I was able to fix it, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a weird thing, but on the Game Pass version, they have a uh, a 10-pack thing that you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's like a little perk thing, so I grabbed that uh, for the, the Diamond Dynasty stuff, and it went okay. Uh, the, the bigger thing is I got... I was completing some stuff in Diamond Dynasty. I think some of the collections were gotcha packs. Mm. And out of one of those, I got a Mike Trout card. It is a, uh, I think, the top-rated card in the entire game. Mm-hmm. So I managed to sell that immediately for... I think the other person had to have paid about 340,000 stubs. Mm. Which, if you take that in the in-game, uh, how much the microtransaction version of the stubs costs, that's over... Uh, $200 hmm. worth of in-game currency, which is a lot. I managed to sell that. Uh, they take like 10% off, so I got about 305,000 stubs, which is still more than I've ever seen at one point. Uh, it's 200 
that's about 150,000 stubs for 100 bucks. Mm. So that's 200,000 points right there. Was buying a pack of 50 card packs with that, which is like 75,000. Mostly made the money back. I uh, got a few drops that were diamond cards that mm. I could sell for a decent bit, as well as duplicates and that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, so I have a bunch of that, but that's been a fun part of the game. They're doing some better events, uh, little program events that they do, which are essentially like a a series of challenges to do. There's maybe some other stuff you have to do uh, mm. to get uh, some special unlocks. Usually they have one going on. It's for like the the first month of the launch, which is kind of we could probably just equate it to a battle pass, yeah. uh, but it's free. It has a bunch of little things you can do in it to earn uh, XP for that, uh, yeah. but you get XP for doing pretty much everything in the game that counts towards that thing. But there's other ones that go towards these these new Nike Connect jerseys. I think they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had like four last year, and there are four new ones this year. Uh, they're just sort of special jerseys they'll play with, playing occasionally throughout the year. They're sort of weird looking jerseys mm-hmm. uh, that uh, you can collect and use on your teams if you want in Diamond Dynasty. So mm-hmm. they're doing some fun stuff there. So I'm looking forward to put some more time into that. Uh, but definitely recommend that if you have Game Pass or you're into piece uh, uh, baseball stuff uh, for PS4, or PS5. Seems like the Switch version is the the roughest version there, which is not a huge surprise for trying to make that game run on uh, much lesser hardware than they've had to before. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there's that. I've uh, been playing some more Fortnite, enjoying that a lot. They had some extra V bucks, so. They put a new dance. It might not be a brand new dance, but it's uh, I like to move it. Mm-hmm. You know, the song I like to move it, move it. Yeah, it's that, but it's a traversal dance, so your character can like move slowly around while you're doing it to be very dumb, mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. But yeah, but one bunch of time to that. Working on some of these challenges they have. Uh, some of them are a little bit dumb or whatever, but. Uh, still fun time. Yeah. Uh, their big new addition is they added two Assassin's Creed characters to the game. There's Ezio and there's Ivor. The Ivor, I think, is female. I'm not sure if they have the male version in there, but the, the trailers they put out was the female Ivor. So, yeah. from the, the most recent Assassin's Creed. Uh, so there's that. Uh, Rocket League, so we can put more time into that. Uh, did a tournament that I ended up winning, which was in the Rumble mode, mm-hmm. uh, which is their sort of power-up mode that every 10 seconds you get a new power-up that you can use, so it's just kind of all chaos, and somehow mm. my team ended up winning, uh, which was just weird and unsurprising, or weird and surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that's been fun. Uh, let's see what else here. Oh yeah, I bought this new indie game uh, called Slipstream. It is a outrun-style racing game mm-hmm. that is very kind of weird mm. about it. So uh, Outrun is sort of a particular style of arcade racing game mm-hmm. that you, know, you kind of do a little bit of drifting in there, 
Uh, nothing really too complicated in the way that it works. In this game, it's a bit more complicated. The has more extreme kind of drifting mechanic to it. If you're doing it manually, you can you have to like hit the brake and then hit gas again as you're going into a turn, and you get a a big old drift out of it. There is also the idea of a slipstream, which for mm-hmm. racing games people that is like you fall behind another car and you both gain increased speed. There's just sort of res- uh, less wind resistance to you. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of slingshot around vehicles. Uh, they have that in this game, which has a bit more of a extreme kind of way that it happens because you can get it from further away than you would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there have been times I've been drifting through corners and get it somehow from one of the vehicles that are drifting around in front of me. So there's that kind of stuff. Uh, also, there is a rewind mechanic similar to you know, what you've seen in like Codemasters racing games and Forza. Uh, though it is like a five-second-at-a-time thing, it's not a unlimited kind of thing. So that is a, a weird thing to have, and it lets you uh, kind of, you know, if you mess up going into a turn, hit, a, hit the sides and flip over, that kind of thing. Uh, you do have an opportunity to turn it back, but you do have to wait between using it again especially depending on how much it use. I think it's five seconds, so it shows you the shows you the happening, and it's kind of in a VHS style of rewind for that stuff, so that's kind of a, a neat, uh, neat thing there. And yeah, being sort of an Outrun style game, it has a, a few different modes in there. There's sort of the classic style where you're kind of essentially uh, getting through a you know a section of map that uh, upon getting through it, you know you're able to extend your time and pick a pick a path either left or right as it forks because it goes in this uh, this whole thing where it's almost like a tournament bracket of sorts of the way these different stages progress yeah. uh, as you try to hope to get to the end and that's uh, that's one of them. They have some actual like race versions of these maps that you, mm-hmm. you know, do laps around, mm. uh, which works for uh, one of the other modes, which is kind of a, like a campaign of races of sorts, where you get money for how you finish, and you get some initially to start that you use to upgrade your different parts of your your uh, car. I think it's like your engine, I forget what the other ones are. But essentially, you're boosting your top speed, your acceleration, and your handling for your drifts or turns, which is uh, a whole neat thing to have as like a, a, another mode in here. Uh, there's another one that's called Battle Royale, which is basically just an elimination mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you get through one section, and whoever's in last gets uh, blipped out. And as you try and survive to the end and finish in first. Uh, there's a couple others. There's time trials and that kind of stuff in there as well. And there's also multiplayer. I think it's all local multiplayer, uh, no online. So there's uh, there's that kind of stuff. Uh, the thing is, the game is hard. Uh, playing on like the the default difficulties and all that. Uh, I never. I was streaming this the other day and I did not win a single race or get to the end of the like the Grand Prix. 
thing there. So that was kind of a, an interesting sort of thing. I didn't try. There's options for an automatic drift so that it does that stuff for you, but you, you know, risk not necessarily keeping the speed you have going into the drift, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, so I haven't tried that yet. And when we start races, they tell you like, oh, what sort of class do you want? Like light, medium, or heavy? Medium sort of the default. Everybody's about whatever the speed you are. And the light is the supposedly easiest one, which I did a few times and still didn't win. But it might also just be a matter of getting the hang of the, the drift and all that. As it's kind of a, a very involved thing, but I haven't tried the automatic yet either. So maybe that's the, the secret to getting some success there, but... Uh, yeah, that's a pretty cool little game, and it's 10 bucks on all the consoles, Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch. It's been on PC for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they uh, put out an update, I think, alongside the console release to uh, add a couple things to it, and I think some localization stuff as well for some of the uh, stuff that they added for the console version. So there's that. And uh, Grand Turismo 7 is the other game I've been playing a bunch this week. I've uh, been enjoying that a lot, especially because they put out that big update that increases some of the, res- the rewards. So I don't know that it's necessarily affecting any of the races that I'm doing right now, but uh, I've been just plugging away at that stuff. Uh, still enjoying it. Still looks great. Still plays well. So, yeah, that's uh, that's been pretty much it for me. How about you, Brandon? As for me, uh, I have been playing Elden Ring again, as usual. Um and I am pretty close to finishing it. Um, I have uh, gotten past all the stuff and gotten to the Erd Tree. Unfortunately, anybody who has played this game thus far knows that the Erd Tree, for whatever reason, has closed itself off from basically everybody. So now, uh, after that, you have to go to what's called the Mountaintop of the Giants, which is this basically the last part of the map that's unrevealed at that point. And... Uh, you have to go all the way over there, and you have to get uh, this thing, this giant cauldron that holds a very strong fire. Um, and before you can get there, of course, you have to fight a boss. It's the fire giant, who isn't terribly difficult, but because he's a giant, it means all of his attacks are extremely strong. So he can kind of one-hit kill you if you're not fully prepared. But otherwise, he's pretty slow. Um, but after you deal with him... Um, you uh, end up getting the fire. Melana, the person who's been helping you, get, you know, use your runes to upgrade your stuff, she gets the fire of it, and she ends up setting the Erd Tree on fire. So now, wherever in the world you are in the game, you can look at the Erd Tree, and you can see that it's on fire. Um, and what happens is after that, you wake up in this place that is basically highly uh, suggested homeworld, not homeworld, the homeland of the dragons. Uh, It's like a coliseum that's been broken up and like suspended in midair with like a bunch of uh, tornadoes and cyclones around it. Um, It's definitely difficult. It's definitely the most difficult part of the game I've gotten to thus far. Um, And I'm actually at the, I think at least, I want to think is the last boss of this area. Uh, Malaketh, who you know comes to you disguised as a uh, beast clergyman, um, he is actually quite difficult. Um, he's kind of a glass cannon, though. He takes a lot of damage if you hit him with a regular attack. But the thing is, he's very 
fast and spastic with his attack, so kind of hard to successfully dodge and land a hit on him. But uh, on top of that, I'm also playing uh, the recent sort of HD uh, remaster of the original Quake, Quake 1, on from my Game Pass subscription. Um, and, uh, as of course, like the original Quake, it's quite difficult, much like, you know, the original Doom was. And, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, the, gra- the graphics have not been updated. They've just given it sort of a high-definition sheen to it. It's still very blocky, but, you know, they got gradients and stuff now, and it runs very smoothly. Um, and one of the things I forgot about that original game is just kind of how random it all is there's a very like sort of slapdash story that's put to it about you know a soldier going into a slip gate that's very very similar to how the original doom storyline is but as anybody who knows with old id games uh stories were more excuses for the games than anything else and apparently um i read this from masters of doom some years ago that uh, apparently, when Quake was being developed, apparently the id people were all working on like two or three different projects and like their own little micro teams. And John Romero's team had been working on what was going to eventually be an RPG, but John Carmack decided at the last minute to just make another shooter. And so they basically threw in all the assets from the RPG into what would become Quake. So. That's the reason why on top of, you know, the possessed soldiers and the zombies and stuff, you also run into, like, the knights and the crusaders with their swords and their axes and the wizards and stuff like that. Um, Still a lot of fun, though, uh, even all these years later. And, uh, yeah, that's what I'm playing. So, uh, yeah, Dan Reb, what about you? Yeah, um, I just beat um, Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Uh, Yeah. I I, I should just say that uh, I kind of beat it. Uh, the reason being, you know, it, it, the typical Nintendo thing of um, after you roll the credits, it does it to be continued because there is more. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, as as I've been saying the last few weeks, like this game never fails to uh, bring a smile to my face with whatever happens with the gameplay. And mm-hmm. early on, you know, while it does sort of have that look of like, you know, the first Kirby open world game, it really isn't that. It's just like more of a Super Mario 3D worldish kind of take on Kirby. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's actually some of the same uh, development team, actually. And um, anyway, the the second half of the game is uh, a whole lot more interesting than, than the first. Um, it's a little bit more challenging and hectic, but you know it's still Kirby, so it's still going to be on the easy side. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to really finding like all the hidden stuff and the collectibles, you actually do have to like put a legitimate effort into what you're doing by you know um, looking through every nook and cranny. Um, one of the one of the later levels I really liked is actually a second take on one of the early levels. It's, it's the mall, mm-hmm. except you're on the employee side of the mall. So you're seeing mm-hmm. like the back sections of it. And like, there's uh, these weird shapes uh, with cracks on the wall, which means, Oh, this must be something that I can interact with. You know, it's kind of like Zelda. You see a crack on the wall. Let's go ahead and put a bomb there. Mm-hmm. Um, with this, you have to use your swallow ability on different parts of the level. So, you know, you have to use the cone, this little circular disc thing. And basically, for example, if you see a broken triangle on the wall, you go ahead and use the cone because you're the same shape. You mm-hmm. hop onto that, and all of a sudden the wall explodes and it shows off more more collectibles. And mm. it's one of those things where you actually have to find the power up and then go back to that certain spot. So it's sort of it's, it sort of has like that open world feel just because you have to remember where everything was. Uh, mm. You know, also similar to a Metroid or, or things things in that regard. So it's really cool to see. Um, and yeah, the the last boss is actually like one of the coolest uh, 
uh, bosses I've seen in any Nintendo game. It kind of it kind of like looks like a like Deoxys from Pokemon, and I was like, oh, cool. It it, it takes the traditional Japanese fare of like, oh, I'm I'm I thought I fought the the big bad, but you know the big bad ended up being God. So <laughs> one of those things, and yeah, uh, really enjoyable. Um, I haven't played any of these secret levels yet. I'm gonna dive into that and see how that goes but yeah kirby is totally enjoyable i'll definitely have the review in sometime this week because i have a lot of stuff to catch up on um but yeah aside from that there hasn't been a whole lot of gaming but there's been a lot of spending money on my part um there's a there's been a buy to get one free sale uh, that started on target which amazon price matched and then gamestop did their own and like um i know we 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 give gamestop a, a lot of crap just because of you know just the way they've been to like uh, consumers over the years. But um, aside from, you know, their whole stock being a meme stock over the last two years, they've had some deals um, mm-hmm. and their buy to get one free deal was significantly better than everybody else's because it had more games in their inventory. And um, if the games were already on sale, they've, they've maintained the sale price. Whereas with, with, with uh, Amazon, Amazon price match target and deal match them, which means that a lot of games are already just kind of on Amazon, but because of the buyers who get one free deal, they, they mark them back up. GameStop didn't do that. So um, from GameStop, I ended up getting um, Soccer Awards for 20 bucks, along with a uh, near replicant for 20 bucks. And then my free game ended up being um, Cruising Blast. And then... Uh, from Target, because I, I didn't know that GameStop would be doing it. Uh, I did it a few, a few days before. I got Elden Ring. Um, I got um, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. And then I also got Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy. So, like, those are the, the, the three um, big late releases or, or latest releases that, that I got. So that being said, I finally fired up Elden Ring. Uh, did not get too far at all. I just wanted to, you know, make my get my avatar ready and just get my feet wet. So... Uh, of course, I came to like that one boss beginning, which you're pretty much required to die to. Although I'm, uh, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon. But like, you know, after you uh, get off the castle, and then you, you all, all of a sudden run into this crab-looking enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure you're scripted to die. But if you're good enough, you can beat him, right? Or no? Yeah, you can. Okay, it's 100 so, percent possible to uh, kill him when you're just starting out. It's okay. very difficult and requires a lot of patience. But yes, it can be done. Okay. But yeah, I died, of course. Uh, and um, I ended up going against another boss down there that I actually did not die to. So I was like, oh, crap, maybe, maybe uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not as bad as I thought I was. So then I ventured out a little more, discovered the open world, and then um, seeing a bunch of like humanoid sort of like enemies that I would rather run away from. And then the funny thing is when you run away from them, they actually keep following you. There's no like, uh, there's no barrier of entry that they stop following you at. So that was Well, that they was will that. eventually. Got you. But yeah, they they they're a lot more intelligent than a lot of the a lot of ga- a lot of regular enemies in other games are. Okay, but yeah, um, I, again, I haven't put too much time into it, but nothing has happened that'll make me quit yet. Um, yeah. Although um, I don't know if it's like been the case with like other games in in the genre, just because like I haven't played that many aside from the original Demon Souls, but. Um, it doesn't look like the game actually teaches you anything until you seek it out. Like, for example, I was going through all the menus and then, you know, as soon as I go to a new menu, then a tutorial starts. But the thing with tutorials is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not really enough to show you. You might as well, like, you know, um, try to make, make something useful by doing it yourself. But that didn't well, I mean, there is a tutorial. There is a yeah. tutorial at the beginning of the game. Yeah. 
but um, it's it, it's more of like a gameplay tutorial, and it didn't really seem like it went. Oh, into I gotcha. How the menus work and things like that. Yeah, I, I think I have to figure those out myself. And it's funny because like with 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 the RPGs and games like these, I don't really figure out the menus until maybe like five hours or so into the game. Like, mm. you know, for example, like I, I will play Trails and I'll forget about like, uh, you know, Attack Four and all these little stat configurations that uh, are really essential to like doing well in the, doing well in the battles. Mm. But yeah, uh, I'll pick it back up. That's that, that's not a guarantee that I'll actually you know go 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 through the, all the motions. But so far, so good, and I look forward to getting back in there. Um, last but not least, it's not really a game, but it's a game related. Uh, watched uh, Sonic Two last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's it's pretty awesome. It's it's uh, it's better than the first in just about every category, um, uh, gaming knowledge uh, included. And um, there was this cool moment at the end. I'm not going to talk about what happened, but it made the crowd cheer. And I've never been in that sort of atmosphere since um, uh, the end of Endgame. So um, it's pretty cool that uh, the, the the license this far has gotten has gotten this much, um, you know, uh, hype and quality with the movies. And it's crazy. Like we we might get to a point where. Uh, the, the the Sonic movies are going to be better than the games, <laughs> so uh, yeah. But that's pretty much it for me. All right. All right. So yeah, let's start getting to some of the news this week. Uh, first up, we've got your new subscription lineups here for PlayStation Now and Game Pass. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll start here with PlayStation Now. And yeah, they got some some good ones here. Let's see. There's Outer Wilds. Yep. A game that is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. If you have not played it yet, definitely a good time to check it out. Uh, let's see, there's WRC 10, uh, which is the uh, latest World Rally Championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, these are the PS4 versions. I'm assuming when we get to uh, the new PlayStation Plus stuff that these will hopefully be upgraded to PS5 versions, but... We'll see, because World Rally Championship 9 has some really cool uh, uh, trigger stuff in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, the PS4 version here won't have any of that. Uh, So there's that. There's Journey to the Savage Planet, which is sort of a co-op, first-person shooter kind of thing. There's that, and the last one here is Werewolf the Apocalypse, Earthblood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of based on a tabletop RPG of mm-hmm. sorts, but it's more of an action RPG where you're playing as a a guy that can turn into a werewolf. Yeah. And fuck people up. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, so there you go. Well, it's one of those games that uh, doesn't really do a ton of things great, but probably does most everything fine enough. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Those are the PlayStation Now games mm-hmm. for the month. Uh, game Pass. Uh, what we got so far? Let's see. Uh, yeah, let's see. Already available now. There's Cricket 22 mm. on console. Uh, this is the, the newest of the Big Ant Studios Cricket games. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if that's any good at this point. Uh, there's MLB The Show 22. As I mentioned, it's on Xbox Game Pass for the consoles. Mm. Uh, worth checking out. And yeah, there's a a perk you can get that is some 
Gives you 10 free packs for the Diamond Dynasty mode yeah. to check out. Now, let's see. Coming soon. Oh, yeah. Here's some others that are available now. China, Chinatown Detective Agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cyber Noir Point and Click Adventure Game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. That one's available on console and PC. Uh, let's see. Yeah, for console and PC, there's Life is Strange True Colors. Uh, it's on April 12th. Uh, that's a game that I believe you liked a lot, Dan Reb. Uh So that one's worth checking out. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely a great value there. I'm wondering if it comes, comes with a bit of a DLC, though. I'm assuming not. I'm assuming that's going to be paid for. Yeah, I think it was like 10 or 15 bucks. I haven't actually gotten around to it yet, but I do want to eventually. Yeah. Yeah, we saw there's like an extra episode that you got if you got the deluxe edition, I think. Yeah. Or paid for it separately. You use one of the side characters. This, this is the same character from um, uh, Before the Storm that you want uh, to meet there if you played that game. So Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, let's see. Available just for PC Game Pass, Panzer Core 2. Mm-hmm. That's a strategy game. Probably one of those very hardcore strategy games that gets on the PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's April 12th. Also on April 12th, The Dungeon of Nahulbeck. Uh, it's on PC. It's already an out on console version now. Uh, that'll be on game, PC Game Pass here pretty soon on April 12th. Uh, yeah, sort of a tabletop RPG, tactical RPG kind of thing. Uh, so there you go. And yeah, coming to EA Play, Lost in Random. Uh, so it'll be available on console and PC Game Pass, as well as EA Play on PC, PS4, Xbox One. Mm-hmm. If you have that separately, uh, that'll be April 14th. For checking out, that is the newest game from like, Zoinks, mm-hmm. is the dev. Yeah. Uh, made a bunch of interesting stuff, and this is uh, sort of what if uh, what if you made like a action-adventure game where there was a dice character that just changed how things worked, I guess. Mm-hmm. At random points, like a tabletop game would, except it's an actual character in the game. So there you go. Uh, let's see what else they have here. Nothing really interesting. They still got that Paramount 30 day free trial. I'm going to wait on that till the point it covers the whole season of Halo. Uh, they got a three month trial for Marvel Unlimited. So you can check that out. And yeah, that's uh, about it. Uh, so yeah, that's a uh, Game Pass. Some nice stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get to the news. Uh, first thing here is something that's already out: a free update for Metroid Dread mm-hmm. that adds a few different boss rush modes. This was announced a little while ago. They were going to be adding this. Uh, so yeah, they have a boss rush mode. That you just play the the different bosses one after the other, try to get the mm-hmm. best time possible. Uh, at the end of each battle, your missiles will be restored, but any damage you've taken will carry over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and each battle can add to the player's max missiles, energy tank, and power bombs, depending on where the boss is in the main game. Uh, there's Survival Rush. Uh, you have to complete Boss Rush mode first. I think Boss Rush mode, you have to complete the game to unlock that. So it to be Boss Rush mode to unlock Survival Rush mode. Would you defeat as many bosses as possible before a timer runs out? Uh, as you beat a boss, you get some time added to your clock. If you're able to beat a boss without taking any damage, you'll get even more time added to your clock. 
missiles and health do not recover between bosses. Uh, but yeah, if you complete the game in dread mode, which I believe is the one that lets that requires you to beat the game without getting hit at all. Mm. If I'm remembering correctly, uh, you unlock dread rush mode, which is a gauntlet of 12 bosses without stopping one right after the other, just like in dread mode, taking a single hit means instant death. Missiles are fully recovered after each boss fight. Uh, and if you want to just practice the bosses, they have a practice mode as well. Mm. So you just go in and uh, try out the bosses. And I guess they keep part times on that stuff so you can see how you compare and try and beat your own times. So it's a, a neat update for the people that have not tired of that game at any point and want to keep getting more challenge to it, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely an added value, especially if you're someone that, you know, continues to uh, squeeze your game for just about every piece of gameplay it could give you. Hmm. Um, unfortunately, I haven't uh, jumped back into Metroid uh, since its uh, initial release and uh, mm. beating the first few bosses just because, like, you know, I didn't really have much time. Um, I do eventually plan on getting back in there, especially with the... Uh, they, they, they came out with, with, with the casual mode, right, Chris? That's already out. Yeah, that was like a month or so ago. Yeah, so I, I definitely plan on getting on there just so I can say I've like finished it. But as for all this hardcore stuff, I'm, I guess I guess I'm just not that great of a gamer, so <laughs> not really worried about that. Yep. Uh, so there you go. Let's see. We got a game on Game Pass. Nobody saves the world. That will be coming to PlayStation Switch here April fourteenth. Mm. So that is uh, this Thursday. Mm. Uh, which is pretty quick. So I think that came out in January or February. I forget which one. Yeah, this is the uh, one that was made by the uh, dudes that did the uh, Guacamelee, right? Yeah, Drinkbox Studios. Yeah, yeah, this one looks really, really fun. Uh, I have a download on an Xbox, but I've never fired it up. So it's good to see that it's going to come out on other platforms, too. Mm. Yep, I've played that a little bit. It is a very neat game. It's basically, uh, what if Zelda uh, played like a game where you could swap bodies? Yeah. Essentially, we're swapping to different forms that have different abilities and such. Early on, you get to a rat form that lets you, you know, get through uh, a tiny mouse hole mm-hmm. into another area, that kind of thing. Uh, so that's pretty neat. And yeah, as you collect these different forms, you can level them up differently. They give you a bunch of quests to work on. Mm-hmm. Some be like, oh, you got to do this in this form and try and do all that stuff. Uh, further upgrade them and get all your different uh, uh, forms up to the highest grades. Uh, so yeah, that's a, a fun little game. Hmm. Uh, we're checking out uh, here on Thursday. Hmm. Let's see, also coming out this week on April 15th, Nintendo announced that they are putting Mario Golf on the Nintendo 64 app for Nintendo Switch Online plus Expansion Pack. Hmm. So uh, you get the second Mario Golf game uh, for the N64. Uh, yeah, 10 different modes, 14 characters, one of the basic ones, kind of a fairly standard uh, sort of golf game there, but there are people that like it. So there you go. came out in June 1999. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the gameplay um, hasn't really changed at all. So, um, yeah, it's definitely more intuitive nowadays. But if you want to see the um, original 3D foray into Mario Golf, it's definitely a good one. Again, oh, like, yeah. as far as how it's aged, other than visually, it's pretty much the same game. So, 
good release here for the N64 uh, lineup on the Switch. Um, I know people are annoyed that it's a pretty, really pretty slow drip feed, but you know, over these last few months, they've been releasing some good stuff. So uh, hopefully, we'll see it continue at a more excessive rate. But so far, I mean, so good. You know, they're 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 finding a way to keep people interested. Um, and I know that whenever they come out, I definitely like fire mine up to play for a, play for a few minutes. I've never gone back and finished an old game, but it's good to see how they perform. Yeah, yeah, especially with uh, the most recent Mario Golf kind of not doing it for people mm-hmm. uh, as much as they were hoping for that. Uh, so here's uh, another one that uh, might be better for those people. Mm. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that'll be out on Friday. And let's see, coming out here April 28th, Rogue Legacy 2 is exiting early access uh, on Steam and Epic Game Store. Uh, so it'll be out in full there, as well as coming to Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S mm. on April 28th. Uh, I'm not sure what the price is going to be, I assume. Let's see. Yeah, that one's a link to the Steam page. Uh, I already own this. Okay, 25 bucks. it looks like it'll be. Uh, so if you want to check it out early, you can do that. Um, i trying to remember what was kind of new with that game. Uh, there's a bit more like platformy stuff in there, and they've definitely added some more biome variety to it, but it's a lot of the, the same kind of stuff uh, from the original game, which is a lot of uh, kind of Castlevania style action. I believe there's like a a dodge now so you can kind of roll around enemies and get behind them more easily versus the original where you're just kind of uh, dealing with enemies head on or you know whatever way your your character uh, had available to them for attacks. Yeah they do mention what's new here. Yeah new classes the art style is a bit different. Yeah, revamped uh, biome generation. Uh, oh yeah, they have uh, like permanent items that persist between runs. So they're uh, change how you play the game, and uh, yeah, some neat stuff here. Better accessibility, uh, new game plus, all that kind of stuff. I'll have to jump back into that since it's out here pretty soon. I have it on. Uh, Steam mostly played it around the launch of the early access, but haven't been back to it when, as they've added new areas and all that. So that'll be worth checking out. Mm. Uh, but yeah, what do we got here? May 5th. Uh, we finally have a date for Trek to Yomi, mm-hmm. uh, which is May 5th for uh, all the PlayStations, Xboxes, and PC on Steam. Mm. Uh, that is a game that. Uh, got shown a lot in the last like month or so, but never got a date with any of those sort of gameplay trailers. Mm. It was always kind of a weird thing, and then they're like, ah, it's May 5th. Like a couple weeks later. Mm. Seems really kind of weird. Uh, but yeah, the, the interesting thing that I don't think ever really got shown in any of those gameplay trailers is that it's not a side-scrolling game. No. Uh, it, you can have a a more bigger area to kind of move around in in a 3D space mm-hmm. as like this didn't come across at all in the uh, the trailers they put out. Yeah. So I don't think the uh, 
whatever Devolver and the developer have been doing for these trailers is uh, doing a great job with that. But it'll be on Game Pass for the Xbox versions. So you don't necessarily have to uh, spend any extra money to check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. Yeah. Basically, it's like a it's like a Kurosawa flick, but playable. <laughs> Watching the trailer right now, and it's yeah the I, the combat looks a lot more intuitive than just a regular hack and slash too. Yeah, yeah, uh, they're very much involved in invested in their like cinematic stuff there. Mm-hmm. The the style and all that. Yeah, the the style of this game is fantastic, and that was what really. Um led me on when it wasn't available at that one event. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting my hands on this one. And if it's, uh, if it's like anything even remotely similar to like, you know, Ghost of Tsushima or even, um, or even Sifu, uh, I am down. Like, you know, I am glad that martial arts is coming back to gaming in a big way. And this one looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how that is in a couple of weeks. Mm. Uh, what isn't coming out soon is a two point campus. Uh, they announced that they have delayed it from its May 17th launch to August 9th. Mm. That is for every platform out there. Uh, all the PlayStations, Xboxes, Switch, and PC. Uh, they say they need a little more time uh, to get it ready for launch. Uh, so that is uh, good they're able to take the time for that. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, so yeah, there you go. You'll have to wait until late summer, but I don't think there's all that much announced for that time frame. So mm-hmm. there's not a lot announced for the second half of the year. Uh, I've seen people talking about how there's PlayStation doesn't have any uh, release dates announced for any of their big games mm. that might be coming out later this year. Uh, I think Xbox just has Starfield as their only announced game for the fall or the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the, Summer Game Fest is going to be important here to find out what the hell is coming out this later this year. Uh, hopefully actual dates, not like what we've been getting, which is a lot of like, oh, it's, it's out this year. It's out this fall. Very generic and vague kind of time frames, but let's yeah, see. That's, that's one of many reasons why I mentioned that E3 still has, has its importance as like, you know, the week for people to tune into what's going on in gaming. And um, what made Summer Games Fest sort of a mess is that there was just something every week at a random time that nobody can prepare for unless you were actually like in the business of covering it. And even then, it was not exactly the most convenient thing in the world. So we'll see how it goes from here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that thing won't be happening for two months now. So we'll have to see uh, more of a... Solid time frame for when any of those shows are going to happen. I've seen, I think, THQ, Nordic, or Embracer Group, whatever you you want to go there. They have announced they're going to have a show, but that's not till August, so that's not even part of the Summer Games Fest. Yeah, I think that's all in June. So, uh, EA, I think, also said theirs is going to be later after the Summer Games Fest. So, mm. who knows? Uh, let's see. Let's get to our next thing here. The Quarry coming out here in June, mm-hmm. uh, June 10th. Uh, they have revealed a new mode that they have in this game mm-hmm. uh, compared to some of their previous releases. That is 
basically, I'm not sure if they're calling it movie mode or if that's just the way it's described here, but that is essentially what it is. It essentially lets you predetermine the behavior of each of the nine characters at the start of the story before watching mm. it all unfold. Uh, if you played Until Dawn or any of the Dark Pictures anthology uh, games, uh, when they introduce characters, they kind of show these different like personality traits that they have. Uh, and as you, you know, make uh, decisions on how to react to other characters, they're... Uh, their like meters for those different traits will go up and down, and that kind of thing. So this seems like a means of like, oh, we'll have this character be be an asshole this time uh, to everybody and everybody else to be good, and we'll see how this all unfolds, kind of thing. You don't have to actually play any of the game, uh, any of the QTs or anything like that. Uh, you can just kind of watch it unfold. So mm-hmm. it would be like uh, a few hours of sorts to do that because you're not having to stop for any dialogue stuff or anything or any gameplay. So that'll be a neat thing to see how it goes, especially seeing how people try to get everybody killed or whatever mm. in the game. But yeah, you can see a, a little preview version of that in the article itself. Uh, so yeah, that's a, a neat, a neat feature in this game. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to checking that out in June. Yeah. Uh, Definitely, if you if you like these types of games, it's definitely looking like it's going to be a very high quality one. Um, I am going to be interested to see like how they're going to be able to sort of sort of deal with the kind of issues that you know the Dark Pictures anthology had, um, where after a while the it's not so much that they get predictable; it's so much that it gets kind of generic. And eventually it just, it kind of, it's, it, 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 I don't know. The, these types of games have never really all that well. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think them being very focused on tropes is kind of their yeah. appeal mm-hmm. to that. So, yeah, that's a, that'll be an interesting thing to see. Especially for this game where it's kind of more of a traditional kind of, uh, summer camp kind of teen horror kind of thing. Uh, well, let's get to some announcements here. Uh, Hypnospace Outlaw was a uh, highly acclaimed kind of weird adventure game about being like a moderator on like the, the mid-90s internet. Mm-hmm. And it's done well enough that they are making two new games in that uh, sort of universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one's a bit more of a direct sequel called Dream Settler. Mm. Uh, set in the early 2000s kind of internet. Uh, you're playing as an uh, an internet private detective trying to solve problems for other users on the Somnius Sleepnet systems. And so they're probably pretty uh, familiar references for people that were on the internet in that time frame. Mm-hmm. I assume you'll see stuff like... Uh, uh, what would be in that like Napster? That kind of music piracy thing was huge at that time. Yeah. Uh, probably some GeoCities stuff there and forums, all that kind of stuff. So that'd be interesting to see how that works. That's supposed to be out later this year. I think both of these are supposed to be out this year. 
Uh, the second one is a game called Slayer's X Terminal Aftermath Vengeance of the Slayer. It's a spin-off of the original Hypnospace Outlaw featuring the character Zane underscore rocks underscore 14 or Zane Lawson as he, as his real name is in the fictional world. Uh, I guess he essentially finds when he's 37 years old in 2022, he manages a dollar saver, uh, finds a game that he made when he was 14 called Slayers X and decides to release his uh, doom style shooter in 2022 with some upgrades. This is like that game made by that kind of character uh, back in uh, the early 2000s, I guess, late 90s. Uh, Putting that out as like a a whole weird Doom-style game, which is a thing they could do, I guess. Very much kind of... I'm curious to see what that ends up being like. Uh, as far as the attitude of all that, if it's like a Duke Nukem kind of attitude to it, mm-hmm. could be weird, but uh, that's neat. Both of those are supposed to be out later this year, uh, coming to consoles and PC, but no date and no specific consoles or anything mentioned. So that'll be weird to see. Mm. Uh, this is also a bit of a surprise here. Uh, Remedy announced that they are working on remakes of both of the Max Payne games, the first two. That's right. They uh, are. Struck a, struck a deal with Rockstar Games, who I believe owns those properties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ever since Max Payne 3. Uh, they published the original games, I believe. Yeah. Uh, when Rockstar was a publisher of sorts, yeah, they published a uh, punchy game mm-hmm. on the PS2. They launched a PS2 game called Oni. Mm-hmm. I assume they still have the rights to that. Maybe that'll happen at some point. Tony, the game from Bud from Bungie, yeah, huh? That'd be fun uh, to see a yeah, that was a uh, a Rockstar and Bungie game for people that don't remember that era of Bungie and Rockstar. While they were making uh, Halo, yeah, they also made a video game called Oni for the PS2. Mm-hmm. Uh, game was the uh kind of middle of the road, but yeah. yeah but it was also a time frame where those kind of games weren't had like standards for how you made those kind of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also anime style, something that probably ages better than other games of that era yeah, on the PS3. True. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, kind of a weird relic. You know, the composer is Marty O'Donnell, so you know, is that but yeah? Anyway, Max Payne and Max Payne Two are going to be remade by Remedy. Uh, I think as one package, uh, and that'll be just on the new consoles and PC. Uh, yeah, in the same engine they used to make Control, which is a great looking engine. Uh, if there's any real issue with those old games, is that especially on the consoles, uh, the visually those games didn't necessarily hold up super well. Uh, the console versions. Now, the PC version, I imagine, probably holds up pretty well uh, with the various resolution options and all that. So, Yeah, um, I never played uh, Control on uh, the current-gen consoles, but I did play it uh, on... I forget whether it was PS4 or Xbox One, but you know, I did play it there, and like it looked fine. 
Um, but this was also one of the few games where I actually did notice, uh, you know, buggy visual issues here and there, uh, some some kind of jank things. Uh, I had trouble towards the end, and I actually never finished it because it was just too much. Um, it was just a little too red, and I couldn't, like, my mind couldn't, like, you know, uh, really give my ability to, like, see certain things that are, like, there. Because, like, when when you're fighting things in that game, a lot of things are invisible. And yeah. when you combine all those reds and, and and the bullet hellish moments, like it's it's just a little much. Um, and yeah, I unfortunately never got a chance to try it on PS5 or Xbox Series X. That being said, um, I had a whole lot of fun with that game, and I've never played any of the Max Payne games, but um, I do remember them being like, <laughs> for lack of a better description, video game ass video games where they copied like a whole bunch of other action movies, and it had your typical like emo guy at the same time he's extremely dangerous and and things like that so i'm interested in seeing um remedy sort of update it like they're saying remake they're not they're not saying remaster so i would hope that they brought max Payne up to like you know the the uh mechanical standards of what you're seeing now because yeah this has a lot of potential and uh i've also never paid, played max Payne three so i would be going into this like uh completely fresh. Yeah, yeah, they did say they're working on it in their uh, current game engine that they use for control and probably Alan Wake 2 and some of the other stuff they're working on. Uh, so that should mean it plays as well as that, if not better. Who knows, yeah. but uh, exciting news. I think they are just starting on it, so it probably won't be out for a few years. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they have a lot they're working on, Remedy. Uh, they just... They just released the campaign for Crossfire X a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Alan Wake Remaster was last fall. Now they got Alan Wake 2. They're working on. They got a multiplayer game with Tencent. Mm-hmm. And they got a multiplayer control spinoff that they're also working on. So they got a lot on their plate. So let's see how that uh, stuff goes. Yeah, like I wonder how big that studio is because they're working on a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how big they are. I would assume they're probably hiring a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, to step up for this stuff. So, yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, speaking of games people weren't expecting, uh, Monkey Island is a series that is beloved mm-hmm. in the adventure game genre. Oh, yeah. Uh, for its humor and style and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's was one of the sort of styles of adventure games that were big there. You had the, the quest games. It was basically the signature uh, idea for games. Yeah, there's uh, Monkey Island stuff. There was the quest games, King's Quest, Police Quest, all that yeah. stuff. And then you had the, the Tim Schafer games. Yep. The other LucasArts stuff that uh, had its own kind of thing. Uh and yeah, the Monkey Island games were created by Ron Gilbert and David Grossman. That uh, made a huge mark with those, at least those first two games. I think they uh, left at that point, mm. uh, at least the the series. I think Ron Gilbert worked with Tim Schafer on a couple of games there at LucasArts. Uh, I assume David Grossman with them. Uh, but yeah, they announced that uh, Ron Gilbert, David Grossman and Devolver Digital are working on a new Monkey Island game called, uh, what is it, I think Return to Monkey Island. Mm-hmm. It's 
supposed to be out later this year. Uh, they put out a little teaser trailer if you want to watch it. Uh, seems to have the same voice actors coming back. And kind of is the, like, pushing itself into uh, between the second and third games in the series. So after uh, Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge, and before, I think, The Curse of Monkey Island is the third game. Mm-hmm. Uh, then people found uh, Ron Gilbert's blog, like it's grumpygamer.com. Mm-hmm. I found, like, uh, like, several years ago, he made a post, like, uh, if I ever get a chance to make a Monkey Island game, these are, like, the, the core things I want out of it. Like, one of his, like, completely ignore everything after Monkey Island 2. Mm-hmm. Because uh, those were the only two games he worked on. Yeah. To, so like, consider everything else non-canon. Mm-hmm. But there are aspects in this trailer that I think the Skull is a character in the later games mm. uh, that he's brought back. He's specifically said, like, yeah, I don't take that as, you know, 100% what's going on here. Which uh, makes me actually want to go back and play at least the first two games, kind of actually understand what all is going on there. Oh, Because those are a, a very particular style of uh, RPG or adventure game where you had yeah. all these verbs on the screen. Mm-hmm. They're like, what the fuck is this? You don't just, it's not even a point and click, really. Yeah. Uh, you're just picking. It's a huge deal. I mean, uh, you know, Ron Gilbert did the original games, and, you know, you've never heard you know, anything about the original two of, for years and years and years, and all of a sudden it comes out of nowhere and makes this. So um, if anybody is a Monkey Island hardcore fan, they, they're, they're probably, like, going nuts over this announcement because these are some of the funniest games ever created. And mm-hmm. while, uh, like you said, Chris, like, it was also, like, sort of educational to a point. So they're accessible to pretty much anybody. And, again, like, their jokes really, really hit. So... I'm just wondering what Ron can do uh, with a modern take. I mean, before, um, if if you had trouble with any of his puzzles, you know, um, they're old enough to where they'd, they'd even be hard to find on the internet back then. Like, you had to have, like, an actual guide. And then when you actually did figure it out, even the, even the uh, end result was funny because it would make you look stupid in a hilarious way. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Knowing that the internet exists the way it does now, like, you know, this is going to be your help system. So I'm wondering how Gilbert will troll us this time. So it's pretty interesting. Um, I'm, I, I don't know if the original two are accessible to, you know, modern consoles or maybe maybe even I'll have to take a look. But um, if, if this is a game that you want to get into, I'd recommend uh, going back to at least the first two. Yeah, uh, I believe Monkey Island... The first two games, I believe, got re-released on at least XBLA. I'm not sure if it was on PSN as well. Yeah. Uh, not 100% sure, but I bet GOG has them all. I'm looking on... Yeah, Steam has them too. Uh, so you can get, I think, most of them. If not all of them. Yeah. Uh, let me see what the list is here. They got Yeah, they got a handy-dandy Monkey Island collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Secret of Monkey Island, which is the first game. And you have Monkey Island 2, Special Edition, LeChuck's Revenge. Uh, this has got Curse of Monkey Island, Escape from Monkey Island, which you need to know when the uh, uh, the fourth one came out. Uh, there's a PS2 version of that game. Because mm-hmm. it's in 3D. Mm. 
And it's also not to, or no, this, okay, yeah, that is the, the one I'm thinking of, because there's also the Telltale Monkey Island game, Monkey Island series that they did, uh, which is also its own kind of fun there. Uh, but yeah, the, the nice thing about jumping into them now is you can just pull up a guide, and be like, all right, I'm going to play. Anytime I get stuck, I'm just going to look at what the, the answer is instead of trying to force your way through it. Mm. And it's like 25 bucks for the, the four games, which is a pretty good price for those. Uh, the first two are special editions. So the most recent versions that they've added a lot of stuff to them. Uh, improved visuals and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, yeah, they do have an in-game puzzle hint system. Mm. And a new interface so that you don't necessarily have the the verbs type of system there to them. Uh, mm. But yeah, that's a, that's a fun one to see. I um, mm-hmm. might uh, stream my way through those games. Mm. and see what that's all about. I played a bit of it on Xbox uh, up to whenever I got stuck and like gave up. So that's that. Uh, and the last one here happened this morning as a bunch of people woke up and heard the news that Square Enix announced as part of the the 20th anniversary little presentation they did for Kingdom Hearts uh-huh. that Kingdom Hearts 4 is a thing. Yep. Uh, and very much, uh, it's kicking off the what they call the Lost Master arc. I don't yeah. know what the fuck that means. Uh, I don't either, and I played all three. <laughs> yeah, you beat Kingdom Hearts three, and yes, I did. They kind of start off this little trailer. It's like, ah, oh, if you don't like the world, then leave. Go to another world. Then he appears in Earth, mm-hmm. Spe- specifically in I think Tokyo. Yeah. I've seen people actually, like, it's actual places, so they just looked at, you know, key points they could figure out, and uh, I think somebody found the actual apartment that he lives in, and it's like, this is a very rich apartment mm-hmm. in Tokyo. Oh, yeah. Also, you know, uh, uh, Sora has a bit of a different look, more in line with, like, what the Final Fantasy VII remake style is. Well, I mean, he's also grown up, so... Yeah, but he doesn't have those big, dumb fucking clown shoes anymore. Nope. He has, like, actual shoes on. Mm-hmm. I forget. People are very much being like, Sora has drip now. So, yeah. I wouldn't be go. surprised if when the game... That ends up being, like, a minor plot point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, what else did they have here? There's, like... Other characters that show up, they describe the real world as like Quadratum. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little bit of gameplay in there, which is mostly just Sora jumping off a bunch of stuff until yeah. I can attack this this uh, big uh, boss character that I think is... Is that the same one from the beginning of the first game? Yeah, it's okay. the same one from the beginning of all of them. It's... Like the tutorial. Yeah, it's the boss. tutorial boss. Yeah. So that's weird. Appearing in the real world and other people see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like a weird thing where they're like invisible in the real world. Yeah. Uh, or anything like that. Uh, and I guess at some random shot, people think that Star Wars is going to be in this. Because people see what looks like the foot of an ATST from mm-hmm. Endor. That yeah. whole part of the third or the sixth movie. Mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, you know, since it's part of Disney, they got all these new properties they can work with now. So, yeah, but they could have done that for Kingdom Hearts three. Yeah, but that game was also development for an obscenely long time. Yeah, but they had plenty of time to work in that stuff if they really wanted to. But now they get they are definitely working on it, like the the current Final Fantasy engine. Mm-hmm. As everything looks way better than what was in three. Yeah. Not that I'm we're saying three looked bad. No, just, but this is clearly like a, a generation later engine yeah. stuff that they're doing here. But also they didn't give any time frame when this is coming out, so this will probably be like fifteen years in the future it'll come out. Who knows? But yeah, people are already trying to figure out what the the fuck is going on with the story? Because mm-hmm. obviously you've played Kingdom Hearts 3, you kind of know what was going on. Yeah, more and, or less. And you're not sure what the hell's going on here. Nope. I mean, I know that, you know, it, 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 it's basically, if you reach the very end of Kingdom Hearts 3, then you know why he's there. Um, more or less, because... Um, you know, after all the timelines and stuff merge, he ends up uh, disappearing, and he ends up reappearing in that world. And what a lot of people immediately noticed is that um, the world that he ends up showing up in, uh, on top of the fact that the moon looks just like our moon, a lot of the scenery looks a lot like the um, the uh, the scenery that you see in that game and the Toy Story section of the game that they're playing in the beginning. That then they end up going into the toy store and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think one of the reasons why I liked Kingdom Hearts 3 more so, more than the rest of the series was because uh, that was a point where I just stopped paying attention to anything in the story and just go ahead and took it in for what it was. And it, yeah. was, a good, uh, it was a good way to just go ahead and mash through random uh, Disney worlds. And yeah. that's definitely something that I appreciate about the series. Yeah. Like going back to what I think about it in general, um, I pretty much hate Kingdom Hearts just because it, it doesn't really make any sense and it doesn't really meld um, uh, the Square and Disney Worlds in a way that I would prefer just because I feel like they could add more detail to these Disney Worlds and they actually did fix that problem in my opinion with Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah. Now, correct, me, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, since like you're actually into the series. I think part of the reason why I'll, the majority of fans that hate Kingdom Hearts 3 hate it is because there's actually maybe... 30 minutes worth of actual content that moves the story forward? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I mean, part of the thing you gotta remember, there had been a bunch of other art side games that had been yeah. released up to that point. Yes. Uh, and a thing about that Kingdom Hearts 3 kind of had to accomplish is it had to wrap up all the different storylines from those different games. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, like Aqua's you know, storyline and everything. So... Yeah. Yeah, there's like a bunch of stuff that they have to do in there specifically to just get the story moving along. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's the it's the Metal Gear it's the Metal Gear syndrome basically. Yeah, but the main issue with that, I mean, like you know, Metal Gear is like obscure for its own reasons. But I think one of the main things with Kingdom Hearts three is the fact that it's been in such a tumultuous development phase that it spanned multiple generations. Yep. Um, and, you know, uh, it had to mix in some old with some new. Like, my, my primary problem with the game 
with Kingdom Hearts 3, just as, just as a standalone game alone, is the fact that it played a lot like a PS2 game with, with a PS4 graphics. Definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. As far as like the load screens and just really simple uh, quality of life things that you thought Square Enix already knew about. But, mm-hmm. you know, they did. There just wasn't enough time to go back and fix them. And at the same time, they added some modern takes to it, like um, Frozen, which was probably the most, like, useless world there, but it was also a world that yeah. I, like, I enjoyed exploring because I, I, I love Frozen. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest. As soon as that movie took off the way it did, it was almost like they had, were they absolutely had to add it into the game somehow. Yeah. They definitely had to put that in there somehow. So I, I, I totally understand that. But yeah, so moving into Kingdom Hearts 4, uh, as a fact that, yeah, I, I, I definitely have no idea what's going on, and most people don't either. Um, I don't know if I'm a fan of them adapting the Final Fantasy VII remake visual system, um, just because Kingdom Hearts is purposely cartoony. Yeah. And you move well, into a here's real- the thing. Did you watch the whole trailer? Um, I, I watched bits and pieces. I didn't see the whole thing. Just because, okay, like, the first so they did not actually make it entirely uncartoony because you know donald and goofy are still in it um and they actually flashback yeah and it's still they're still cartoony in their look um i think what's probably going to happen is because of the fact that you know he's essentially gone into our real world he's going to look less cartoony but i would not be surprised if if he ends up like somehow shifting back into like the other world, you know, because if you ever, if you know, if you, since you've played, if you've played, okay, um, since you're probably, have you, you haven't played the other Kingdom Hearts games, have you? I played part of one, did not touch two, played yeah. most of three. Okay, so the thing about it is that every uh, that Sora goes into another universe, he takes on the uh, characteristics of the universe that he's in. So when he showed up at the Lion King universe, he became a lion. Mermaid yeah. universe. He was a mermaid when he was, he was in the. Off in the Toy Story, he became a toy himself. That was cool. Yeah, and when he was in Monsters Inc., he became a monster. You see the idea? So he probably looks like this because he's now in the real world, and so he's taken on the characteristics of what you would look like if you were in the real world, as filtered through the sort of pseudo anime visuals that Nomura is known for. Yeah, it makes sense. And we, we, we've also seen like Disney characters show up in the real world since God knows when. Like you know, who fan? Yeah. Mary Poppins. So yeah, yeah, I, I totally get it from that perspective. Um, I'm just wondering how they go ahead and address uh, the rest of um, you know whatever they're doing. But yeah, um, I'm pretty hopeful that uh, Nomura's team will get this done uh, before their 30th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not gonna. Hold I think my after I think after uh, Final Fantasy 15, they handed off Final Fantasy 15 to another uh, team. Uh, he's gotten much better at sort of reining in the bloat. Yeah. Um, considering the fact that he got Kingdom Hearts 3 and uh, Part 1 of Final Fantasy 7 Remake out within the span of only a couple of years from each other. Yeah. Not to mention, I think the 16 team is being uh, run by the, the online folks, right? So Yeah. There, there, there's definitely some room to spare with Square, and it's it, it's cool to see because you look at Square's lineup. There's a lot of JRPGs from a, a mm-hmm. lot of their IP, so it's good to see that Kingdom Hearts isn't being neglected. Um, then again, you know a lot of their fans are currently pissed off, but when are when, when are they not? So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. The 
from the trailer, it definitely looks like the Goofy and uh, Donald are kind of back in one of the other worlds. Uh, looks like they're being approached by Hades or something, which I hope doesn't have what's his name voicing him. Uh, I James, James Woods. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that was that was James Woods we heard. So. Yeah, and I'm actually not even sure it was Hades to begin with. Um, yeah, because there's like the blue flame. Like that's kind of Hades' thing. Yeah, it is. But Hades it could also totally be Hades. a... Yeah, or it could be off-brand Hades, or it could totally be, you know, them specifically screwing with you. <laughs> yeah. Which is totally something they have done in the past, so... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the... Game's probably not coming out anytime soon. So. Oh no, I would not be surprised if this thing doesn't come out until I don't know twenty twenty five at the earliest. Yeah, so it'll be fifteen trailers that make no sense. Pretty much, up until yeah. That point. I'm just hoping that it's a PS five game that actually plays like a PS five game. Yes, so, please. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's keep it going here. Uh, this one's a weird story. Uh, as part of the Arcade Archives series, Namco's been putting some of their games on there. And then they got to one that that uh, had Miss Pac-Man in it. Mm-hmm. And that is a character... I guess probably okay if they have a character. You know, Miss Pac-Man is a character in a game. Uh, but Miss Pac-Man, the game itself, is uh, has ties to at games. and yeah. It's a weird, like, royalties thing, basically. Yeah, Bandai Namco doesn't have full control of it, so they basically yeah. said, fuck Ms. Pac-Man to the end of the Earth. We yeah. will not do anything with her in it forever, which is a shame because Ms. Pac-Man is better than Pac-Man. Yeah. Uh, the game literally is better than the original Pac-Man. <laughs> yeah, everybody likes it more than Pac-Man, which is yeah. weird because it's a fan game. Well, yeah, it was modded by, a, I think, uh, as sort of like an experiment that just kind of took off. And yeah. uh, I think, you know, Bandai, you know, Bandai Namco back when, you know, they were just Namco, they said, eh, you know what? It's fine. Uh, you know, give it, you know. Made we, a deal with them. Yeah, made a deal with them. And now basically everything going forward, if they use Miss Pac-Man in any kind of property, they have to pay royalties back to uh, At Games. Now, At Games itself doesn't exist anymore. More or less, uh, it basically went uh, bank. It basically went uh, to pot like a little while after that, but it ended up getting bought up by another company, and I think it may have traded hands once or twice. And I'm guessing at this point, Namco Bandai Namco is like, you know what? The ha- there's too much of a hassle. So, and looking at the At Games website, which is atgames.net, mm-hmm. they can even get the .com version of their their own name, but it yeah. says copyright at games, cloud holdings, 2021. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck that means. Yeah. Like I said, the name and the changed hands. But yeah, they're still, they're still running all their business stuff. So it's on those legends cabinets and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're still keeping it going. Uh, who knows, but Bandai Namco still hates them with uh, the fire of a thousand corporations. Mm-hmm. And so, in their deal with uh, Hamster, making these uh, Arcade Archives versions of their arcade classics, uh, they got to Pac-Land, the mm-hmm. 
first platformer in the series. Yeah. A game that's, if you probably didn't play it around then, you probably think it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it is a 1984 platformer. This is before Super Mario Brothers existed. Yeah. So, no scrolling. Mm-hmm. And it's because Mario was the first one to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Much to the chagrin of every other developer in the world mm-hmm. that hated them for it. Uh, for the NES having that kind of tech in it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Miss Pac-Man is featured prominently in that game, as well as a kid that has the same kind of bow in it mm-hmm. and similar kind of red shoes, not boots, but shoes. Uh, so they went and created this new character for it called Pac-Mom. I think they're uh, people are calling it. Uh, mm-hmm. She has, instead of a red bow, she has a pink hat mm-hmm. on she has pink gloves on and pink like heel boots, heel sho- heel shoes on. Yep. And her, everything else about her sprite is the same. Mm. And the little baby has like a a flower bow in her hair, uh, or or flower, I guess I don't know. Uh, and like all pink boots and shoes on a no pacifier, I guess. So it's weird, especially when you're making. This arcade archives version, which is supposed to be here's the original version, unchanged and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, they changed this one thing, uh, kind of an, a fairly important thing in terms of the world of Pac-Man. So it's probably one of the first games that acknowledged that uh, Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man were part of the same universe. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, ah, oh, she's got a bow in her hair. Obviously not Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a whole weird thing you can yeah. get it now on, I think, PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch. Uh, but if you wanted to know like what extent Bandai Namco would go through to not have Miss Pac-Man in a game, well, here you go. They've altered yeah. one of their <laughs> original games to do yeah. that. Which is like, well, then why don't you... There's probably more to it. I was like, why don't you just make Miss Pac-Man with Pac-Mom? Just call it Pac-Mom. Mm-hmm. But there's probably... Uh, Royalties tied to the code and all that stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, like this is like one of the biggest mysteries in gaming IP. I don't, I don't see why Bandai Namco doesn't just try to buy it back, or maybe have them. It's just they tried to, and then the the original creators sold it to At Games in retaliation for whatever yeah. reason. Oh God, At Games is not gonna do shit. <laughs> so, mm. okay. That makes sense. And that's why At Games like Pac Man collections could have Miss Pac Man in it. Uh, but Bandai Namco can't do shit without paying the money, and they don't want to pay them money. They're a corporation. They're cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. I don't know. I feel like if, if Disney can reacquire Oswald, it's absolutely useless. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's weird. Mm. Yeah, though they traded a, a real human person for a, a an IP <laughs> in that acquisition, so that's a whole weird thing. Mm. Not many humans can say they've been uh, physically traded for something that isn't real. Mm. Uh, that is an old cartoon IP that nobody gave a shit about, but the corporation that acquired it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that the human is Al Michaels, one of the big mm. football commentators. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, he went from uh, Disney money to Peacock money to Amazon money. So mm-hmm. you know he's over there. Yeah. So there you go. Bit of trivia for you, but uh, let's get to the last two stories of two major assholes. 
Mm-hmm. First up, Activision Blizzard. Yep. Uh, they actually did something good, but on the back end, did something as a huge asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, they announced that for about 1,100 QA testers they have in their U.S. studios, mm. they are uh, upgrading them to full-time employees. Mm. Uh, they're increasing their hourly rate to a minimum of $20 per hour. Providing access to full company benefits, and will be eligible to participate in the company's bonus program. Yeah, that doesn't include Raven. Raven's QA yeah. people that went. The and people that started the whole. Union. Yeah, the ones who started the whole driver unionization. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, very much them continuing their fuckery to mistreat the the QA people that went and voted to form a union. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's no reason to exclude them. As part of this, mm-hmm. them forming a union doesn't prevent them from doing any of this. It seems like they didn't necessarily uh, want to uh, even negotiate with them on this yeah. stuff. <sighs> and yeah, the the way that uh, Activision Blizzard responded to this, saying this conversion of nearly 1,100 QA workers at Activision Blizzard does not have any relation to the petition pending at Raven Studio. Mm-hmm. The Raven situation is limited to Raven. The testers' contracts weren't extended. We're welcome then and now to apply for any jobs at the company. Uh, see a spokesperson for the CWA. Uh, that is the Communication Workers of America. Saying, make no mistake, all credit for Activision Blizzard's latest move to give all temporary and contingent QA team members full-time employment and a raise should go to the workers who have been organizing, mobilizing, and speaking out. It's especially galling then that Activision has excluded Raven software QA workers who've been at the forefront of this effort from these benefits. The company's assertion that the National Labor Relations Act prevents them from including Raven, Raven workers is clear in an effort to divide workers and undermine their effort to form a union, mm-hmm. which is all true. Yep. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is happening uh, as, you know, unionization drives have been gaining ground very fast recently. Just recently, you know, the Amazon warehouse in New York voted to unionize. Um, and uh, now, you know, Starbucks, there's now at least 12 different outlets now that have also, or more, that have all voted to unionize as well. Um, yeah, and and, Starbucks has been firing random people from there. Yeah. Um, the The momentum right now is, and basically the... Uh, Companies are all trying to do their best to play on defense. Yeah, I'm betting Activision Blizzard is like, well, if we keep this going until Microsoft acquisition finalizes, it's an on-guard problem. Mm-hmm. I'm betting that's exactly what their plan is to stall, stall, stall. Mm-hmm. And Microsoft acquires, and then they're like, ah, Activision Blizzard doesn't exist anymore. Yep. Or so you're negotiating with, so good luck with that. Good luck with mm-hmm. Microsoft now. This is a crazy can of worms, right? Like, this is supposed to be a, a positive instrument for a company that needs some positivity, and uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's some shittiness to it. So, yeah, I mean, just hopefully the efforts for everybody at um, Activision and not just Raven Software, uh, you know, hopefully they actually culminate to get the union started, uh, whether or not mm-hmm. Microsoft can a transaction or not. Yeah, yeah. But I think, unfortunately, we're going to see not really much uh, progress on this. 
until the acquisition is completed or whatever is going to happen with it. Uh, but we do have people in Congress that are very much concerned about the uh, the workers' well-being in all of this. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, and some of the others are very much uh, concerned about how this is going to fuck the individual workers over. Because mm-hmm. they're not getting most of that money that's going in to the acquisition. That's going to the execs and all that. So, yeah, that is uh, uh, some annoying news there. Let's top that with even more annoying news. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about last year that the uh, the stock situation with SNK, there was about 30% that was owned by uh, the company Electronic Gaming Development Company. Mm-hmm. which is a subsidiary of a foundation run by the Saudi crown, Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was very much a, oh, this is a very weird situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not much you can do to like force people to not buy stock in your company. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of maybe some legal action, but they decided to up that stake from, mm-hmm. let's see, it was 28.8 originally. To ninety six point one eight percent of SNK stock, essentially owning the company, as far as investors are concerned. Mm-hmm. I imagine probably what's left are people that work at SNK. They mm-hmm. probably own stock in their own company for those kind of benefits. Yeah, uh, probably the ones that didn't sell out to him. So. That is uh, not great for people that care about human rights. Yeah. Would like people like Mohammed bin Salman to not be able to launder his reputation yeah. through these kind of moves. Yeah. From what I have heard of a big gamer himself, yeah. I've also heard that reasons this this isn't just like a single minded thing. Apparently his foundation is doing this with a lot of different companies and Apparently, I mean, this is the rumor that's going around. The reason he's doing this is uh, to try and shift the country's economy sort of away from over-reliance on oil reserves because they can see the writing on the wall that the end of the need for the end of the use, the fossil fuel era is sort of the end of it is sort of on the horizon and that he's trying to shift sort of his country's finances around. That's what I've heard. It could also be totally just because he thinks it would be cool to have ownership in a game company. And this is probably a fairly low stakes ownership mm-hmm. to grab. Yeah. Seems like this is essentially about $430 million uh, mm-hmm. for the amount of stock that they purchased to get to 96.18%, mm-hmm. which is, if you're comparing to other acquisitions of sorts, mm-hmm. that is. What less than one percent of what the Activision Blizzard Microsoft deal is? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the the small scale they're working on. Obviously, the the Saudi Crown princes are extremely rich, largely due to their oil deals. Mm-hmm. Conveniently, having a large large stake of oil to sell to people that need it, mm-hmm. to countries that need it, and all that. Uh, but yeah. yeah, this is going to be putting people that care about putting their money where it makes sense ethically. Mm-hmm. 
And obviously with capitalism, there is not very many opportunities for a pure, uh, purely ethical acquisition of products. Uh, so people have been suggesting things like, uh, you know, if you want to buy, you know, the new kingdom, king of fighters, you know, make a equal, uh, amount of money donated to a human rights charity, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff, you know, it's up to the person. If you want to not buy any further SNK games, right? Mm. If you do and you want to donate, you know, an equal amount to charity, cool. What works for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is the thing that just really kills the vibe on. Uh, what was it? That S the Metal Slug Tactics game? Yeah. It looked pretty awesome. It's like, oh, maybe I don't need that anymore. Mm. Unless it's on a subscription service, something like that, where I'm not directly paying for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as you said, they own stakes in other publishers. I don't think in any sort of huge controlling stake uh, for that. So yeah, that's uh, at least a positive thing, but also these companies can't necessarily control who buys stock for them. Yeah, you know that that's the difficulty with being a publicly traded company. Uh, these sort of things are going to happen. And, you know, they may not even be for, you know, geopolitical reasons. They may just be because wealthy business people diversify their investments, and that's the way you make money. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how profitable SNK has been over the last few years, but, you know, you, do, you, you, you are right in the sense where, like, you know, there's – you know, the next King of Fighters game uh, is, is, is good, but by, by all thoughts and accounts, and the new uh, Metal Slug Tactics game is definitely something we've been excited about. But uh, at the same time, yeah, it's it, it paints a rough picture when um, you're seeing, like, this, the, the Saudi prince buy companies left and right just because of, you know, what they've represented in the past, and uh, it's unfortunate. So I'm wondering, you know, how the employees over there are taking it. I'm, I'm sure they didn't want to be bought by them, but... Um, it is what it is, and hopefully they find a way around it. Um, has this really soured my outlook on like these games in the future? Uh, not really, but these probably weren't games that I were gonna I was gonna buy on day one anyway. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, the, the, there's no right or wrong way to feel about this. But just know that um, whether you listen to our podcast or like someone else's gaming podcast. Uh, even if there is a concerted effort to make things totally about gaming, um, eventually things like these creep in. And yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not about game. It's not just about gaming, but at the end of the day, gaming is part of the real world and you should know what's going on in the real world and mm-hmm. know what it is you're putting your money into. And not only are you putting money into like, you know, the company, but you're putting money into the good and bad people that may represent that company. And mm-hmm. it's, it, it's tough, but again, uh, as long as you're, if, if you want to do things like, I don't know, the quote unquote right way, um, you know, just, uh, think about not only, you know, buying the products, but investing in other products that actually do support goodwill, uh, goodwill things like, you know, we will, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about things like the, the, the Harry Potter game coming up, you know, you can, if, if you want to support that, maybe it might be a good idea to also, you know, throw some money at, a uh, to, to, to donate some cash to causes that, uh, you know, uh, for for uh, uh, transsexual rights and whatnot. Like, yeah, 
like Amnesty International or something. Exactly. Yeah, the Trevor Project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a tough thing to try to put your money through to uh, more ethical companies and all that. Mm. It's uh, a tough thing. As we say, there's uh, no ethical consumption under capitalism. Yeah, at the end of the day, whether or not you know you're a huge fan of a company hardly matters. Uh, unless you work for them, and even if that's the case, uh, they don't know you, they don't love you, and they're not here to save you any money. They're here mm-hmm. to get the money out of your pocket. So yeah, always that. Yeah, and yeah, the the Saudi crown prince has been a big investor. This is the whole WWE thing, mm-hmm. getting a pay per view every year, even twice a year. I forget how often they do it. Which initially. And so that no women were allowed to wrestle. Mm. That fit what the laws were going on with uh, in the Saudi Arabia. Mm. I think women have been allowed, but the people that tend to get pushed in those pay-per-views are the the older, shittier wrestlers, because that's what the Saudi crown prince and his buddies like to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, WWE has actually improved in that regard. There's been at least one women's match with every... Saudi pay-per-view they've had, but at the same time, uh, in respect to the religion there and whatnot, they've been completely covered up, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, just because, you know, um, you, you do have to, at, at the end of the day, re- respect their customs. But um, at the end of the day, like, I'm still not a fan of those pay-per-views because they're, they're in essence, blood money. Uh, those, mm-hmm. those, uh, those events generate way more money than WrestleMania or the Peacock Network can, uh, can get them, and that's part of the reason why they're, they're profitable. Like, you're not going to see AEW, or hopefully not. Hopefully, we don't see AEW go over to uh, uh, Saudi because that would just mean they're in the same same. They're in it for the same reasons as as, as WWE. But um, yeah, like there is even though it's propaganda, uh, there there is like some sort of form of progress there. But I think that's also mostly due to the fact that I think it was a couple of years ago uh, after the event, um, their plane was stuck there and. The reporters have pretty much shunned uh, anybody from even talking about what happened. So mm-hmm. that's sketchy in, in, in its own right. And there's, there's obviously like, you know, um, some backlash within the company because even its brightest stars don't even want to support the event and they're trying to get it out of their contracts in order like, you know, to not be there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yes, there's, there's a lot of money to be, to, to be made there, but just think about where that money came, comes from. Yeah, and if there's anybody that does not give a damn about where his money comes from, that's Vince McMahon. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least with AEW, that is Tony Khan's money. His debt is obscenely rich. Mm-hmm. So he's not necessarily that hard up for money. And I, I don't think they're publicly traded at this point. I think WWE is. Yeah, not to mention the cons are wealthier than McMahon's are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, his dad owns the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL. Yeah. So they got steady money there just from that. So I don't think AEW is going to necessarily have to go that route. Mm. Uh, They're just doing their thing. So that's cool to see. But yeah, Vince McMahon does not have any ethics. That's why he has been fine bullying his workers, being shitty to lots of people. That all leads to what happened at this most recent WrestleMania where he was supposed to get uh, stunned by Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he just like fell over in a lump because he's seventy-two mm-hmm. years old. Yeah, 
though he's never taken a good stunner from Steve Austin, even when he was healthier. Uh, so yeah, that's I think that's gonna do it for the show this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to Brandon Danver for joining. Always. Uh, we will be back next week with a new slate of news. We might end up having to do that uh, the day before because Easter is next Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I have to figure that out. But either way, uh, we will be back with a new slate of news. If you enjoy the show, feel free to let uh, friends and family know that you enjoy it and they should check it out as well as mm. select strangers that uh, will not call the police on you or beat you up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, thank you everybody for tuning in. Hope you have a good week ahead and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.